Hey, Spotlighters, Mike Cam here, the coolest guy in title insurance and your host of the Morning Spotlight Podcast. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. We have a great guest that I know is going to absolutely blow you away. If you like what you hear, please smash that subscribe button and leave us a review. And remember, when it's time for you to purchase title insurance, there's only one guy you should be calling, and that's me. Check the show notes for my email address. Now let's get this train rolling and start the show right now. I want to tell you about Fat Brother Soap. You know, way back in the day, and I'm talking caveman days, humans used to bathe under roaring waterfalls under the clear blue sky. Now many of us are stuck in a tiny shower in an overcrowded city, and the guys over at Fat Brother Soap have had about enough. Carefully selected by the Fat Brother himself, these soaps contain all natural ingredients like sunflower, coconut, lemon, and more. Remember, it is never too late to leave boring, mediocre body washes that are filled with chemicals behind and get back in touch with your inner caveman. Go to fatbrothersoap.com to learn more and join the Fat Brother family. Good morning and welcome to the Morning Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cam, and we are coming to you, as always, from the Spotlight Studios in Morristown, New Jersey. Our guest today started to build a reputation in the creditor-owned real estate sector, but made a career pivot and blazed her own path as one of the top property dam damage claims experts in the country. By exiting the corporate world, she has found her happiness by helping consumers on the good side of property ownership. She was also nominated by Forbes as one of the top social media influencers of 2020, quite an accomplishment for someone in her field. If that, isn't, if that isn't enough, she formed her own nonprofit organization, the Suskin Foundation, to offer support to communities that are, that are or have been affected by natural disaster and economic hardships. The foundation offers grants and mentorship programs to those who seek career guidance. She is Stephanie Saunders. Stephanie, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you on. So uh, property damage claims expert, what is that? Yeah, right. So it sounds like it's a little bit complicated, but in reality, it's like it's just public adjusters. We are a group of very well-versed public adjusters, about 50 people, and we serve uh, all 50 states. Awesome. So what like, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? Like what, like what, what goes into because I don't know. So what, yeah. what goes into being a, you know, uh, claims adjuster? So whenever someone who owns a property has damage, they typically go to their insurance company and they say, hey, this issue happened. You know, what do I do? And the insurance company has an adjuster they send out, which is their, basically their adjuster, their IA. We call them IAs. It's independent adjuster. And they say, okay, we'll give you $1,000 for this. And the customer who is the consumer that owns the property doesn't always know that they have the ability to challenge that. So even if it wasn't enough money, they just kind of say, okay, I guess I'm at the mercy of your decision here. So I'll, I'll go with it. So right. we are the representation for property owners and we tend to get, you know, five times the average amount that the insurance company is willing to pay. Okay. That sounds good. Um, yep. So how do you get involved in something like that? So I, I mean, I know I read the bio a little bit, but take us through like the actual story about how you actually get to doing this. Sure. You mean like me personally or like a consumer finding me? Let's do you personal, like you okay. personally leading up to this and then sure. we'll do like how to find you and all that great stuff. Sure. So I, I do this now because I started my career during the last recession and I worked for a company called Black Knight Service Link. And we 
ran the operations or the behind the scenes operations for creditors. So banks during the foreclosure crisis. So at some point in that part of my life, I was really sick of hurting consumers. I wanted to offer a different kind of value. So I found out about public adjusting because one of our large clients at the time, they were losing money during the you know, phase of ownership after they foreclosed. So they were having vandalism claims. They didn't really know how to handle it. So I found out about it. And bottom line is it's dear to my heart to be able to actually offer a service to a consumer versus hurt a consumer. So if I can now find money from the 800 pound gorilla, I'm, I'm very happy to be able to offer that. Right. Yeah. So what, what was that like? Like, so, I mean, I, I guess it must've been tough being on the side originally, and now you're on this side, we're actually like helping the consumer rather than sure. like you said, the 800 pound gorilla. So like, what's, what's sure. that like? So I'll say that I had a huge ego, which I talk about all the time. And I was chasing a title. I originally wanted to, you know, go to law school, be the top lawyer. Then we're in a recession. So I got this gig because where could you get a job at that time? Right. All that was hiring were foreclosure mills. So for me, I had made this big move into corporate and I was, I was really successful. I had a national a sales executive title, um, but it was miserable. Like we weren't doing anything that was really adding any value to any humans. It was just working for the, the corporate gorilla. Right. So for me- Working uh, for the man, working for yeah, the man. Yeah, working for the man, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so I think it was also really scary getting into it because I'm like, oh, what are people going to think? Like, I don't even know, people don't even know what this is, but who cares, right? Like I make good money and I make my clients, I give my clients the opportunity to get the money they deserve. So I'm happy about it, but it is, it is a total 180, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's crazy. So like, I mean, I made a 180 in my career path, which is a lot different because I went from, I was a college baseball coach and now I sell title insurance, which is like, I mean, it's not even in the same, it's not, it's not even the same sport, literally. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, making that 180 is sometimes tough because like, you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. Sure. And like, when you get into something totally different, it's like a, it's like a shock to the system almost, you know? Absolutely. Well, you did the opposite of me. You went from kind of being independent to going to corporate. Yeah. <laughs> What's that like? I got to flip the script there and ask you what that has to be a totally different world. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, like the stability is great. Um, sure. But the one thing that I like about my company, Fidelity National Title Group, there's the plug, um, is that as a sales rep here in New Jersey, it's very entrepreneurial. So like, as long as I'm doing what I need to do and hitting yeah. my numbers and, and doing all that kind of stuff, they give me a lot of freedom. I mean, I do a podcast to help me market and they're totally cool with that. Um, right. You know, I can, you know, go out with clients. I can see clients. I can do whatever I want to do, but just making sure that I actually get to where I need to get to by the end of the year. So right. personally, I like it because it kind of gives me the financial stability that the coaching didn't give me. Right. Um, I mean, I loved coaching it was great. I had so much fun. I got a free MBA from it and all that, but um you know, at some point I needed to try to figure out like, what am I going to do with my life? Like I can't right. make $10,000 sure. a year for the rest of my life. I mean, that's, that's impossible. Sure. Um, so, you know, it was just a matter of like figuring out what I wanted to do, even though I didn't know this is what I wanted to do. Like the first couple of months selling title insurance, I was like, what is this? Like, I, right. I don't know what I'm doing. I was like, I sucked at it. And right. now, you know, I, I still am not good at it, but I still like, I mean, at least like I kind of figured out 
what I'm doing and have a little bit of like a game plan when I actually go out and, and do what I do. So sure. and I'm not- having, having the national reach is huge for you. I know yeah. for me, it was when I was had that national role and doing this, being able to reach all 50 states, it's makes the biggest difference in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. So, cause like sometimes like the, mo- the most uh, of the clients that I have, or at least that I market to are like commercial real estate attorneys, developers, lenders, people like that. So just like walking into a big law firm saying that I work for Fidelity National Title Group and I have the brands under me, Chicago Title, Commonwealth, obviously Fidelity. And that just gives you like that street cred walking sure. in, you know, and like they, and then after you develop your own relationships, plus that street cred, all of a sudden you're, you're in a pretty good spot with, with those clients to, to generate that, that business. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree. So you mentioned Black Knight, yeah. which is part of Fidelity. Um, yeah. So you worked, you were part of the title insurance industry at one point. I so you, you get, you get what I'm talking about. I, I think. totally get it. But yeah. I was more on like the default side right. and I, I was in it for almost a decade. Right. So like we were doing all the crazy stuff. So I got into like the auction platforms and how they operate and finding, you know, those funds who are buying in bulk. And then I got into like the note space and I learned all about what happens behind the scenes from that angle. And then I kind of transitioned into the origination title side. And I was, that was when I was like, okay, this is not, I got to go. It's tough. It's a tough gig. It is. But when you have the creds, it's very, very good. It can be a very lucrative business. Absolutely. Um, so, so let's, let's kind of fast forward back to, you know, your story, I guess. So you make this career pivot, right. Mm -hmm. And now you're doing claims adjusting. Yeah. Right. Take us through like the, the company that you work for and like sure. the reach that you guys have, because I know that you're, you're in Florida right now. You're, that's where yeah. you're broadcasting from. Yep. Uh, I know you have an office here in New Jersey. I think you have one in New York as well. Um, so talk about like what the company is, what it offers, how, how you can help. Sure. So it's very boutique right? We're about 50 people, which I hope we never get any larger than because there's one other public adjusting firm. There are several hundred people and it's very much so turned into a mill. And like, you don't want that. No one wants that, especially when you have a service like that, you know, it's, we are a service provider. You want that white glove, hands-on experience. So we're 50 people. We're in Miami. Uh, Well, we're all over South Florida because this is our home state. Been around for 14 years this year. And it was founded by Joe Suskind. Um, But I think in Florida, we have about six locations. We go all the way from the Panhandle to the Keys, and then we're in Jersey, we're in um, New York, and we do residential in all three of those states. And then the rest of the country, we do only large losses, so commercial, industrial kind of stuff. And we have a small office in LA, and we have some people in uh, Colorado and Texas. Okay, so so you have all those offices, and just because yeah. I don't know, so yeah. the reach, you could do stuff pretty much anywhere, right? Yeah. I mean, most of my clients from my prior distress life, they happen to own a lot of inventory in um, Texas. And Texas has tons of hailstorms. So, you know, they were originally fixer flippers, right? Funds doing, you know, large title and escrow closings at one time from an auction site. And then when that inventory dried up, there was no real way to make money there. So they became developers and they bought little student housing complexes. So yeah, uh, Texas is a big spot for me. 
Gotcha. Okay. So then um, let's take it from like the consumer end. So let's mm-hmm. just say like, you know, I'm a homeowner and something yeah. happens like a property damage type thing. Like, so how, I, I'm just curious because it's like so individualized, like how do you sure. find those clients and how do you work with them on that, on that level? So it is so niche, you know, and again, like most people don't even know what it is. That was my biggest issue going into this. Like people don't even know what being a public adjuster is. I'm going to have such a hard time even explaining myself. Right. So I think that's why I really like being on social media. It's like being an advocate for the consumer. So you live in Jersey, right? Yep. Yeah. Morristown. So you had a storm last year. It was a really funny name storm. It was called like Isaiah's. When was it? It was in like, I want to say October. Okay. Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. It was like a big, like ice storm that came through. No, no, that was recently. That was more recently. This was like in the, you know, the summer E weather, like the end of, so it was called Isaiah. It's all a blur. It's all a blur (laughs) at this point, honestly. 2020 should be coined the year that was a blur. (laughs) Right. I mean, like I know stuff happened last year. I mean, I'm aware that 2020 was a year, but like I can't put together like dates or anything like that. I mean, I'm still coming out of the fog a little bit. Right. Yeah. So in Jersey, um, like there's a boardwalk, the New Jersey boardwalk. Um, There's a couple little smaller cities that were really affected by this storm. So, you know, we're online. We market ourselves. We have our team there, boots on the ground. We are involved in chambers. We try to be community driven, but the consumer has a tree fall on their house. The insurance company takes a week to get there doesn't give them any guidance. And then they say, Oh, well, you know, you're not really covered for this, but we'll offer you $1,500. It's like my house is split in half. There's a tree on my, what am I supposed to do here? So you, they, they find us, they call us, we go out immediately. We say, we review the policy, the coverage, the limits, and we do an inspection. We say, listen, we think we could get you X amount of dollars, you know, something like that on a tree falling through a roof. I mean, that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah foundational issues so that's that's how a consumer would find us okay and then like what's what's the relationship like working with those insurance companies oh you know it's funny because I think at the end of the day so I have friends who work for insurance companies after a while you know each other right yeah right yeah so they don't like you because you're you're a it's a it's a threat right you're a challenge but I think the unfortunate side of it is that insurance company's business model is just not in favor of the consumer. That's it. Bottom line. Like it's nobody's fault. It's just the way it's set up. It's a business. So they take your money every month to insure your property and they have to protect their pocket when you need to make a claim. So they're going to try to keep a cap on how much money they give out every year. So sure, the insurance agents are incentivized to keep that number below where they need to so that they get their bonus at the end of the year. But you know what? I think the good guys who, you know, want to help people at the end of the day, sometimes they recommend us. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, that's, it's definitely a challenge. Yeah. 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 It sounds like a challenge. Um, All right. So I want to kind of build off like the finding the clients and the, and the marketing and all that kind of stuff, because uh, I mentioned in the bio that last year uh, Forbes named you as one of the top uh, social media influencers of 2020. Um, and we're going to dive really deep into all of that. So I, like I always say, and you know, I like 
I sell title insurance and title insurance, at least in my opinion, is not the sexiest subject when it comes to real estate. Um, so for me, when I was trying to put together content and put together the show and all that kind of stuff last year, um, and even before that, the other, the other stuff that I used to try to do, it was sometimes hard because like you're trying to, you know, take this thing that is not necessarily like exciting and make it exciting and provide value to people. So how, I mean, like, I'm listening to you talk about claims adjusting. It does not interest me in any way, but how do you take that and make it something that people actually like want to connect with and engage with and listen to? Did you just say that everything I said was totally a bore? Yeah, that's why I changed the subject. (laughs) (laughs) Totally kidding. I mean, I was, it was interesting. It was engaging, obviously. I mean, we don't do boring stuff on this show. I mean, I wouldn't have you on if otherwise. So there's a couple of things. I think it's really funny because you use the, the term non-sexy. I use that term all the time because really yeah. we, we are not in a non-sexy space, but guess what? We're in a necessary space. Exactly. Yeah. So the thing is, is that we are a necessity. We may be niche, but there's also things that people do not know. So if you're saving your clients money and you're actually bringing this value that people aren't aware of, then I mean, I'm excited about it. Yeah. I want I want money in my pocket. I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing when it comes to title and escrow and I'm not getting screwed over. Excuse my language. Okay. But like, I think it really comes down to you having passion about what you do as your brand. And then I feel like people just feel that, you know, you get yeah. excited about it. You're making content that's fun. That's you. Because it's also a mixture of who you are and your passion for what you're providing and the value in the necessity of what you're doing. Right. So how did you like get started doing that? Um, like, like what was like the first steps you took? So I think 2020 started, uh, I had no intention whatsoever of being on social media in this way. And I realized that I couldn't go to lunches. I couldn't go to dinners. I couldn't go to conferences. So I had to show up online where LinkedIn is a a magical little place. There's not a lot of, of platforms like LinkedIn. And I just started trying things out, right? So I started with the video. When I first started making the video, it was so uncomfortable, like watching my face moving, like I wanted to die. Yeah. Um, and it's the fear of, of opinion, right? And oh, what if I say something about my old corporate job and I have so many colleagues from then, they're, they're going to get upset with me. And there are so many levels to it, but you just have to get over it. And then you start to get excited about it because you get feedback. So I think it's testing, getting over yourself and, you know, showing who you are through your passion and your value. Yeah. Was there anything at at any particular point where something like really moved the needle and you were like, oh, I have something here maybe? I think when I started doing conversations videos, like I stopped trying to do the, so we had some scripts written in the beginning Yeah, and it was so funny because I'm reading and I'm like, what? Like, this is not, I don't agree with this. Yeah. Like how, how am I supposed to read this and pretend like this is what I stand for? So I kind of had to throw that out yep. and just talk to people. And I think that's when my personality started to show because I was just being me. Right. Um, and I think that's when I started to see momentum. But when I got the Forbes thing, it was shocking. So it was exactly one week ago yesterday um, I saw this article that I was in, people were congratulating me and I getting like all these requests and people talking about Forbes. So I found the article on my own <laughs> and I was named one of the, in a weird field, one of the top 2020 social media influencers. But what I really liked about the article 
was that I think that the base of what he was trying to say was that social media influencing is now changing. So you've got Instagram where you're just selling a lifestyle, you know, you want to look cool. So now you have people who are talking about the value they offer, just like you, you're just talking about right now, like educating, providing value, providing a service. So it's kind of shifting and people are paying attention. So right. making it fun. So the, the 2020 thing really, I mean, listen, I got 4,000 connections in a week. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously, so one of the things that I was curious about, and it's interesting that you were talking about like the, the scripts at the beginning, because like I mentioned to you before we started just like background on the show, it was, you know, the, the morning spotlight started as like a LinkedIn based video series, just because I was getting traction on LinkedIn and wanted to try to like leverage that for myself and for like my networking partners and my clients and friends and whatever. Um, but like, and it just looking back at it, like those episodes were good, you know, but like they were all scripted. So what I used to do when I would take a, like a Google docs or whatever, and I would put it like right here in the middle of the screen and almost use it as like a teleprompter. Right. So I'd read my intro. I'd read my questions because I had never done anything like that before. So I was so like terrified that like I was going to, you know, look like an idiot and I would like mess up and have to go back and start over. So like the blooper reels are obviously something that I, you know, like needed to put on there. Um, But then on the, on the other end too, from like the, the guests, like I would give them the questions beforehand. And then a lot of times like they would get on and they would have this stuff already written out, not everybody, but some yeah. people. And, um, you know, like then I start listening back to those episodes and I was like, wow, like this is so stiff, you know? And like, I wanted it to be like a, a, an engaging thing, but at the right. same time, like my, like you said, like my personality wasn't there. I mean, it is now. I mean, yeah. eventually, because I was like, I need to try to do something a little bit different. I wanted it to cut out doing a, a, an episode every day because that was getting to be, you know, tough. Cause I did 60 sure. episodes over a 12 week span. Um, you know, but now it's like a, an episode a week or maybe sometimes two, but it's like a lot more in depth. You get to actually like learn a little bit about the guest and like what makes them tick and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So it was just and interesting. Your personalities have- there. Yeah, is- exactly. Right. right. Because like people engage with that more because like right. it's, at some point people were just like last year, I know things change over the course of the year and there's like the ebbs and flows of what 2020 was, but people were so desperate for like, a feeling of human connection because people were locked down and all that. Um, you know, that sometimes like all of a sudden you put out something like that and like people are ex- expecting it. They're like, Oh, Mike puts up the morning spotlight video at 9am. Like let's do, see who he has on today, you know, stuff like that. So I right. just thought that was interesting what you were saying. Yeah. But you have to show your personality. I mean, yeah. it is also like, wasn't it painful for you really to like see yourself being so stiff because you know, you're not stiff. Yeah. You're just coming across as like this, you know, it's no fun. Right. Yeah. It was no fun. And like, I think at the beginning I felt like I needed like that crutch. Right. Because sure. like you were talking about, we like, doing, yeah, you were like, even I remember doing like running the first virtual networking event that I ran. Like as soon as New Jersey went down, went into lockdown, I started doing virtual networking events. I was like, this is, we just need to do it. Like, I just want right. to put something out there, see what happens, see how it goes. And we did it for 13 straight weeks. But I remember the first day, like talking to somebody, we use Remo for those events. Like I talked to somebody on there. I was like, like, wow, like my hands move so much when I talk and like, you know, like, like what's wrong with me? Like, why, why am I doing that? And, um, you know, but then eventually like, you know, even doing the, uh, the videos, like looking at that, it was like, I needed the crutch to get through that five minutes. And now I can go for 45 minutes to an hour and just like talk with somebody because I realized 
like that was me like prior to COVID starting. That's how I would operate. Like that's how yeah. I would coach when I coached. That's how right. I would sell title insurance when I would take clients out is just being myself. So like, yep. why not just do it on here? Right. You just have to get rid of the fears. I think that's the biggest thing for everybody. And like, we all say we don't have fears, but we do. And yeah. listen, I think if you're, if you're not having fun, then you're doing it wrong. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like this is fun for me. Like I really enjoy doing this. It should be fun. Yeah. Um, so like, obviously you crush it on LinkedIn, right? And we'll make sure that we put your LinkedIn contact information in the show notes, but we'll get to maybe why it might take a bit for, for you to get back. But, um, so like, what are, so I I know you started trying some other avenues of social media. So like, what, what was that? Like, were you originally just LinkedIn and then tried some different things? Um, how, how did you, how did you go about doing that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think my intention originally was just to be everywhere, Right. But I really loved the format of LinkedIn just because it's so professionally driven. And I had been on LinkedIn for years before when I was in my service link days, you know, back when I was in, you know, your world um, and I was connecting with all my old colleagues. So I already had like several thousand connections and I just felt like people were more in line with wanting to do business or discuss business natured things. So I have, you know, Instagram and I'll fall back on the same concept of like, I think it gives people a complex. Like it's just about, you know, hot girls and hot cars. Right. And like, I think it's going to change, but it's just the value that you kind of get buried in all this stuff that I don't care about, you know, and then Twitter is, you know, so I guess I haven't had as much success and I haven't felt like the same connection as I do um, on LinkedIn with any other platform so far. Did you ever like have a a plan? Like, I know you said you like, you know, it was like trial and error, which is basically like my entire life is trial and error. (laughs) Um, But like, did you ever have like, you know, figure out a way like, okay, this kind of works. So let's, let's do it this way. Or was it just constantly like, Hey, I'm going to post this today. So I think in the very beginning, it was just kind of like all over the place, right? There was no real structure. Like I tried to do like quote cards and motivational stuff. And then I tried to do informative stuff that was like boring and business related. Then I kind of connected the two and that really was a hit. So I don't like though that everyone is so like, oh, you have to have this strict guideline. I think you should how you should decide how many days a week you're going to post. Yep. And how many times you're going to be like live or doing interviews, right? Like I picked a day, like on Thursdays, I really like to do recordings. And then that's, I repurpose that content. I like to share the full video on my YouTube. And then I just, I post once a week. I I make content before and I use a little scheduler and I use Hootsuite, but I don't think you have to have a hard plan. I think get organized for sure, but like just do your thing. Right. Yeah, because I think that some people, and this is not me, like get that like paralysis by analysis kind of thing. And like, yeah. and like, like you were talking about, and even, you know, from my end too, like the worry that it's like going to be received a certain way, or it's going to be judged a certain way, like holds a lot of people back when like last year, it was just about like, you know, getting stuff out there, you yeah. know, and like, it, it was hard to kind of cut through the noise, which I'll ask you about in a second. But like, you know, um, it's just, it was interesting to me because like people, even now, like, you know, clubhouse is obviously a big thing. This is January 14th. This episode is going to post sometime in February. Um, like clubhouse is a big thing and people are on like podcasting rooms talking about like, I'm scared to start my podcast. Like people, people are telling me that this is the time to do it. And yeah. sometimes I'll jump in. I'll be like, well, if you're not going to do it now, like, what are you waiting for? Right. You know what I right. mean, like why, why, why wait? 
why wait right. and do it? Like this is like right now is probably the best time to actually like jump in. And that's always kind of been my thing. Like planning is never really like something I would try to do, which, you know, is both a detriment and a, you know, uh, a blessing and a curse, I guess. Yeah. Um, because like I can get stuff out, but it might not be as good as it can be if I had taken like maybe a couple days just to kind of organize it a little bit. Um, but, uh, but like also talk to us about like, you know, last year being an influencer, at least in my opinion, especially on LinkedIn, because everybody was on LinkedIn last year trying to put content out there. What was like, like, how do you think your stuff, and maybe it's just because of like the, the value that it added to people, cut through the amount of noise that was on LinkedIn? Because last year, as far as social media goes, was just like, it was so noisy on, on LinkedIn and, and all the other platforms. So was it just the value that you added? You know what? I think it really, I'm going to go back to it being my personal touch. I really am. It, I showed my personality and I stopped being afraid because the, think about what we're saying. Non-sexy something that people don't even really know about. Not a lot, not every single person on LinkedIn is a homeowner, right? There are a lot of people going through difficulties as well, right? So I just kind of showed who I was and I made it pretty with my graphics. I use yeah. Canva for a lot of stuff, but- I, so I just started using Canva. I think yeah. it's great. Yeah. You know what's a really good app too that I always recommend to people? It's a free app. It's called Bazart. And you can, you can download it and like, let's say you want to get headshots of someone and they haven't sent it to you. So you just go on their profile, grab a photo and you upload it there. You can get rid of the background like in oh, two seconds. So like there's that. lots of little tricks that you can do with, with, with Bizarre. But like a lot of the stuff I made in the beginning that was really a hit and had, you know, 15,000 views was just stuff I made on an app. Yeah. And it was just me. Like I aligned with the quote. I felt like it resonated with me and people agreed. Right. Um, so kind of going off of like, you know, how much you exploded pretty much on LinkedIn last year, um, after the Forbes article came out, you said last week, um, I noticed that all of a sudden Stephanie Saunders was in, like disappeared from LinkedIn. Um, so it's, like I said, it's January 14th today. This episode is going to post in February, um, sometime in February. I'm not hundred percent sure yet, but you are currently broadcasting from LinkedIn jail. I so, am. This is LinkedIn jail, guys. <laughs> I am stuck in LinkedIn jail. Yeah. So yesterday I uh, was posting my morning post and it wasn't loading. I opened a ticket on LinkedIn. You know, hey, my content's not uploading and not sure what's going on. I got an immediate response that I have been restricted uh, for a high volume of profile views. And I wrote back like, thousands of emojis, like crying and heartbroken, you know, like, oh my God, I don't know, like what happened? I'm so sorry. Like, I'm a good person, I swear. (laughs) And I just said, listen, I had a Forbes article that I posted exactly one week ago today. And I've had an increase of 4,000 connections since then. So no response to that. But then I was locked out and um, I had to verify my identity. I had to upload my driver's license, which was a little bit scary. Yep. And I think I'm going through an appeal process so that they know I'm not a fake person. And it was really because of the traffic. And like I said to you, I think the, the one thing I learned here is if you have something that explodes, you have to take your time with it, right? You can't just get all excited and accept a thousand new requests in one day. Like yeah. only only accept or try to add a hundred people in 24 hours. Like, yeah. you know, listen, they were inbound connections, but obviously I'm clicking on the profile each time. I'm sending a nice message. Thank you so much for 
congratulating me on this, you know, achievement. And then in addition to that, the um, post got like 90,000 views. So my account was super active. Um, yeah. And you can't really do it. You have to limit who you're looking at, pace yourself. If right. you go viral, pace yourself or you will be flagged as suspicious activity. <laughs> Hilarious. I mean, so like if you're yeah, like, if you're too good at LinkedIn, like you said, you got to take it slow. Like, don't freak out. Like, I know I would freak out too. If right. all of a sudden, like I blew up, which, you know, fingers crossed one day that happens, um, you know, hopefully this episode blows up. Like, that would be great. But then I got to take it slow, you know, right. methodically. Only, only accept 100 people in a day or you're going to be like under surveillance or something, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. All right. So um, I, I want to talk goals. Um, okay. So I want to go back to the company that you work for and, and the goals that you have for that. And then we'll do some social media goals after that. So like, where do you kind of see your role, the company, like, like what are the goals that you have over the next, like, let's go like for 2021, like what are the goals for that? So I think the goals are really to work with more multifamily uh, investors because I personally am a multifamily investor and I have been through a situation where I had a property damage claim before I got involved in this world. And I unfortunately didn't make the right moves. So it's dear to my heart. And I know that when you're an investor in that world, you want to keep as much money as you can in your pocket. Yep. So I want to reach more people in that world of investing in property ownership so that they don't lose out. And I also want to reach more realtors because a lot of times during the inf uh, inspection phase of a purchase, the deal could go flop, right? right? But what a lot of people aren't aware of is that if something is found during the inspection phase, uh, the owner, the seller is able to file an insurance claim and transfer the rights through the, the purchase to the, the buyer. So it saves deals. And like, right. that's a big deal. Yeah. It sounds like a big deal. Um, so yeah. what about social media stuff? So obviously, you know, you've gotten to the mountaintop, you know, and we're just waiting for you to get unlocked. But um, what are some, do you have more goals for what you want the social media presence to be like going through yeah. this year? So now that I'm over myself and I'm doing things, um, I, I hope that I am back on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, but I think what my goal would be is to do more, in-person video, I want to really, you know, all that we have all seen really of each other is this little box for yeah. the year, you know, and that's right. fine. We're okay with that. I think it's nice. It's personal. Yeah. But it's at the same time, I'd like to be a little more active and have some more live events. Like I'm going to be on a panel for like some of the top public adjusters in the United States. I'm going to be on a women's panel. I'm looking forward to creating content from that. So I think just more like visual video content and just, I guess, opening up more, right? Yeah. Maybe a personal podcast. We have a podcast coming out for the Claims Academy. It's going to be all about like top industry experts in property damage, which I'm sure you would find deathly boring <laughs> no, i'm sure it's gonna be great me. it's all about it's all about at least in my opinion as someone like i said i think we're in like a similar world we but are. it's all about like how that content is packaged like if i was a normal i'm not i shouldn't say normal if i was like a title person that only wanted to talk about title and i only had people <laughs> on that wanted to talk about title that would be a boring podcast. It would be very sure. informative, I'm sure. And I'm sure people that are interested in title would be interested in it, but it right. would be like so niche that like 
you know, right. it would be hard to generate a lot of interest because That's like, okay. I mean, I didn't listen to podcasts before I started this podcast, which I like thinking back, which I think is like an interesting thing, but thinking back, I probably should have at least listened to kind of see like what other people do. A guide, right. A little yeah, bit of some type of guide, like a, like a roadmap of some kind. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like I just kind of like went with it and like, I've had yeah. on, like I mentioned to you before and you know, this is probably like, I don't even know, like the 110th episode that I've recorded. Right. Um, and it's just like kind of all over the place, but it kind of gives a lot of value for people beyond just title insurance and right. you know the the real estate world because right. it, it gives like a lot of extra stuff but again right. like it's all about how that content is packaged well i'm yanking your chain because you let me know that how boring you you thought my conversation about yeah. property damage was <laughs> right i mean like i'm sure it's going to be an exciting podcast i can't promise whether or not i'm going to listen to it well we're gonna have to have you on because i think <laughs> it's also it's very important i think for property owners especially you know, let's, I want to talk to more people in multifamily who've experienced yeah. property damage, right? So those people also need to understand the best way to proceed with uh, title insurance, right? Yep. And their closings are key. I mean, if they don't have the right person on their side, they could pay more than they need to or right. be in trouble. Yeah. So I think it's, it's good. And also there are not a lot of people in your world that are like social media influencers, right? There's right. no other public adjuster influencer that I know. I'm happy to be coined the first uh, Forbes social media public adjuster influencer. I'm, I'm going to own that. That's good right. for me. For forever. Yeah. yeah. No one could take that away from you and it's going to stick with you forever. And because you're that person, it's right. like really the only way that you can go is even more up, right? right? Right. Like all this, you're not going to just like disappear from the face of the earth because you just have the presence already. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, let's see. I mean, if LinkedIn keeps me out, then we'll all have to, you'll have to migrate somewhere else to see me guys. Right. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's such a good segue. I'm so good at this. So the one thing that I wanted to ask you was like, so I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn because a lot of attorney clients that I have are on LinkedIn. And it's like, obviously a very professional platform, like all the stuff yeah. that you're saying. Um, but you mentioned that in like one of your goals on the business end was connecting with more realtors. Yeah. I don't know, but like my take, I, I mean, I don't know numbers. My take is that a lot of those realtors are on Instagram, Facebook, because it's very visual, right? And yes. they're trying, they're trying to be where the buyers are. Right? Absolutely. Normal Joe is on Facebook with his family and pictures of his dogs and stuff. Right. And then, you know, they're on Instagram and taking pictures of their kids and their dogs and the lifestyle stuff that you were talking about. So um, was that ever, so if, if that's something that you're interested in doing, like connecting with more realtors, do you see like that as an opportunity to kind of get in there? Like, I know you have an Instagram. I just, no, I, right I agree. Here. I yeah. absolutely agree. And I absolutely think that you're on to something there, but right. I think the issue with, you know, LinkedIn is that, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Instagram is that it's so still, it's so visually driven by the wrong things. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. So that'll change, I think. And then you won't as a professional, like you and me offering a service, we will not get so buried in like the fancy car video. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like why, why do you think I have all this bright stuff on? Is right. That I like when I do post on Instagram, <laughs> I stand out a little bit. And I mean, I definitely stand out on LinkedIn because right. You know, like who's dressing like me and looks like me on LinkedIn for the most part, I guess. Right. I love the cartoon though. It's very cool. Coined uh, cartoon there. It looks like you. I appreciate that. I mean, that, yeah. that was, that was, oh, I'm going to go over here. That was the goal. Right. I mean, yeah. I don't have any more hair, but 
at least it kind of like it looks okay. Um, all right, so I want to talk about uh, because I'm I'm always interested to know like what people are doing with foundations. Like we've done, we've had a bunch of people on that have talked about foundations before. Uh, we even our Christmas episode we talked about three different foundations like that people we've had on the show for other reasons. Uh, we had them back for our Christmas episode, Christmas special to talk about the foundations, how people get, can get involved if they're in the giving spirit. Um, so I want to learn more about the Suskin Foundation. So what is it and how, how does it, what, what, who are you trying to help? So I really wanted to start a foundation that was going to offer support to people that were affected by property damage issues, right? So it's really more like natural disaster, hurricanes. Like we talk about like Bahamas and poor Louisiana all day long, you know? So there's so much help out there, obviously from FEMA and like larger organizations, but there's still so much to that, that people don't realize, you know? So like if FEMA is helping provide shelter temporarily to maybe people who are, you know, they don't own homes, right. Or they're like lower income, then they're, they're going to be covered for a while. But what about, you know, grandma who owns a house that's been completely destroyed and her insurance company is refusing to offer her any ALE coverage. I don't mean to get technical, but that's relocation cost, right? So it's devastating. So we, we come in and we offer what we can, you know, we partner with some people who they do these like live in pods that have a full operating kitchen, bathroom, shower bed. Um, and we, you know, we try to do what we can there. Yeah. So that was, that was the beginning of it. And then it it was really during the pandemic. And I'm like, look, I want to do more in the community. So we offered a program to pay a thousand people's rent in Miami Um, And then I wanted to start a mentorship program that was really geared towards helping people career pivot because I went through that during the last recession. You know, I ended up changing my direction and working for an industry I never would have considered. I learned investing strategies. And so we offer grants for people right now to continue education and kind of being able to move and transition right now. Right. You know what I think is, and maybe I'm, off base, but you know what I think is great about, uh, the foundation and how it ties in with your, with your role and all the stuff that you were saying at the beginning about why you made this career move is that it's like, it's genuine, right? So like, you're not just like up there saying like, Oh, I want to help the consumer, but really you're looking, you know, to make money off of other people's backs because that's what business is, you know, like, I mean, somebody's going to pay you at some point. Um, but I think just doing something like that, at least in my opinion, just shows like the actual genuine interest that you have in helping people. Um, you know, granted it's part of your business and that's how you make a living. Um, but I just thought that was an interesting, interesting tie in, I guess. Well, And I think that's the other thing is I always preach about, okay, I was so afraid of getting into this field that people like don't know. And it's not attorney, doctor, dentist, right? Like this is what I was raised to be. And like, I have no passion for that. I'm so thankful that I, finished college during a recession and I went and ended up in foreclosure and that I have such a connection to wanting to help people because of that. So listen, I think it's just, it's getting over like what you feel people think and then finding what you're really passionate about. And then it feels good to do all this stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think a common yeah. theme common theme throughout this episode is like, don't care what other people think about you because- Sure, but you know, I do care what LinkedIn thinks about me. Right, well, right now we definitely care what LinkedIn thinks about you because we need to get you out of jail. Um, you know, but other people, the, the, the real world, we don't, we don't exactly. really care. No, yeah. you can't, you really can't. 
Yeah, because I think I've heard like I was leading up to this episode. I mean, some of your content that you put on there before, obviously, it went away. Um, and then some of the other episodes, uh, shows that you've been a guest on, I've listened to just to kind of prepare for this episode, just to kind of like learn a little bit more about you. Um, and one of the things that I, I thought was interesting, I, I forget what show it was that you were talking about. It was like there's always something that's like going to want to see you fail, you know. So like, I mean, that's all across the board. Like it doesn't matter what industry you're in, what you yeah. do, uh, what social media platforms you are or aren't on. Um, you know, there's a, that, that's always going to exist. Uh, but at the same time, like there's a lot of people that want you to succeed, you know? So like, those are the people that you really need to tie yourself in with. Um, yeah. you know, I was lucky last year that, you know, when I started the virtual events and then the show, I had like a really good support system of, of people that were networking partners that really wanted us to do well. So they were all guests on the show. You know, they were all doing different things to make sure that like I was succeeding while also helping, like I set this up so that to help them succeed, but they wanted to succeed just as much for me too. So I, you know, yeah. there's always people like that too. There's a, there's more good people, at least in my opinion, than bad people, but you know. Right, you gotta filter through them and yeah. know when to cut toxic ties. I'm yeah. huge on that, like for mental health, for you know physical health. If you have energy sucks and toxic people around you, your body's gonna be telling you some way. You know, absolutely, yeah. yeah. All right, so we are going to move the show into our closing segment, which we call Under the Spotlight. We do this for every episode. Um, so the Spotlight listeners just listen to Mike Ham and Stephanie Saunders talk for over forty minutes about a myriad of topics. Um, so what is, we're going to put you under the spotlight. What is one thing that you want the listeners of this episode to walk away from this episode with? I want people to walk away from this episode with knowing that when you're an owner of property, you need to have the proper insurance. You also need obviously the, the right person to do your, your closing with for title. Yes, me, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> right. But I think, you know, when you have something happen, which is inevitable, listen, you own property. It's something that's bound to happen. So always know you have the option for a second opinion. It's your money. Seek out a public adjuster. There are many of us. You should obviously find me, Stephanie Saunders, a United Claims Specialist, but you, you just find a public adjuster who will help you. Right. Um, and I think the other thing is be careful on LinkedIn. The whole goal that we're all going through right now is being seen online because we can't do it any other way right now. Yeah. So don't get too excited when you have something that goes viral. Don't add too many people in a day. Be careful with your behavior on there because it is a, a social platform that, that LinkedIn wants to protect. Yeah. And Luckily, they do want to protect it. So it doesn't end up like Facebook and it's just all a bunch of nonsense. Right. Yeah. Great point. Um, all right. So all the stuff that Stephanie just mentioned, all the links that she's going to eventually send over to me, I will put in the show notes. So if you just want to like look at the content that she's putting out and like learn more about what she has out there, uh, make sure you do that because it's all great stuff. I've seen it, which is why you know we had Stephanie on the show. Um, if you want to reach out to me, make sure you uh, email me at themorningspotlight at gmail.com or go to our uh, website, themorningspotlight.com if you want to be a guest or listen to us talk about a specific topic. Um, and again, Stephanie's links will be in the show notes as well. Uh, Stephanie, thank you so much for doing this. This was great. It was great. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Absolutely. And everybody else, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.
Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Just a reminder that any views expressed in the morning spotlight are the views of the speaker and should not be construed to be the views of any other person, any employer, or any organization. Thank you. We'll see you next week.